Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. Do you ever say yes when you might mean no or something else? Then today's episode of Autism Stories, I think, is going to really resonate with you as Tessa McAvoy joins me to discuss oromotor dyspraxia. I also talked to Tessa about homelessness in regards to us as autistics, as well as her love of slot machines. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Tessa, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, thank you so much for having me on today. That means a lot. Absolutely. And I wanted to start off by learning where does your story in the autistic community begin? All right. So that's a really good question. My story began back in 2020, actually back in 2017 when I was in high school. And I said, no, I think I'm autistic. Actually, it was my abusive mother who said, okay, fine, just be autistic. And how disabled do you want to look today? That was my first forte into the autistic community. And it was actually a very lucky break. I've followed you for a while now on your wonderful Facebook page, Apraxia Story, in which you talk about your oral motor apraxia. You mentioned due to your apraxia that there will be times when you might say yes, when that might not be the case at all. So. How does your apraxia affect you in those types of situations? Well, my apraxia affects me because I was conditioned and I was trained through a myriad of social groups growing up. They always agree, they always say yes, and they always ask about the other person's interests because my special interests were regarded as too unique and trashy. I was told nobody wanted to hear you talk about the Illich Garden Rainbow Ride. Nobody wants to hear you talk about it's a small world, it's a small world ride at Disneyland and nobody wants to talk to you talking about your iPad. And people told me to go talk and be like, actually sit down and watch all the popular music videos so that I would be able to have a normal conversation. That is it. And that's like when it be, really began with me just being groomed to say yes, yes, yes. Because whenever I said, no, I want to talk about this, I was always told, no, keep the conversation on track, or that is very inappropriate. Well, I would get very bored talking to someone about popular music videos, and I'd be much more interested in talking to you about your special interests. <laughs> Same here. If I, was, I was actually supposed to talk about popular music videos, and it actually was brought out of, out of my mind. This, this led to so many unauthentic friendships because... Because like I just brought this friendship around superficial interests like music videos, hair, fashion. But then the irony is the moment I snuck away from my mother, snuck away online, that's like when the real friendship started to really form. 
that my current special interest is slot machines. And because I'm really interested in slot machines, it really does show through and, and it really does build. I also raised that you did ask about overmodopraxia. As an apraxic individual, I have a hard time coordinating my speech with my with my thoughts. So I so my default word is yes, yes, and yes. And you know, thinking about oral motor apraxia, what do you think are some of the common myths that you wish people would um, have a better understanding about? All right, the common myth consists of somebody's intellect is based off on how much to articulate. People with oral motor apraxia cannot understand you. And number three, people with oral motor apraxia are, de are developmentally delayed. Now, your, your Facebook page uh, portrays real common experiences disabled people face, which, um, from my understanding, is a shift of how your page used to be. So how has uh, Apraxia's story changed, and why did you decide to make that change? My Apraxia, when I first started Apraxia's story, I used to live a very privileged life. I lived in the four-story mansion, vacation whenever I wanted, rolled luxury brands, and of course, ate at fine dining restaurants on like the drop of a hat. So I used to live a very privileged life where I had time to actually sit down and animate an entire inspirational story. This is what we call inspirational. It's okay when I say the P, the, the, the P word, the inspirational poem. I originally started my page because my mother wanted to sell my, use my page to get me rich and famous so she could reap the benefit of my fame to sell her books. So that was like the beginning of a practice story back in 2020. And my practice story did reflect just my high quality lifestyle, just like this person, just like inspirational, just like person who like make inspirational porn propaganda saying, if I can do this, your kid can do this. Look at, look at, and my mom actually wanted me to compete with this other major influencer just so she could sell more books and just so she could have more clout in the Apraxia community. In fact, at one point, my mom was like, I want you to try dating him, dating that influencer. So that was like the beginning of a practice story. However, July 24th, 2022, when I managed to escape from my mama's house, bam, that things changed. I no longer had any safety nets. I ended up moving to Alabama, landed myself with another abusive roommate who acted just like my mother, ended up getting out, moving back to my home state. And all of a sudden, and I was actually in a really nice place, but my job was very abusive. So I moved back to the main city for job opportunities. Roommate situation, another roommate situation didn't work out, and that's when I really close to ending up on the street. So I technically went from this, which is actually very common among disabled individuals because disabled individuals, like myself, most, some of them, some people have a really hard time communicating, building the social connections needed to obtain resources, or are unable to make phone calls to shelters, which is my case. So I nearly ended up in a tent in the city. And my page, actually shifted to reflect the, the reality that most disabled individuals face is a like homelessness and poverty.
from my understanding, in the last year or so, you've went from studying abroad to being homeless. So knowing that you've become homeless recently, I, you know, the first thing I wanted to know is like, just check in and how you're doing. And what support may you need in, you know, moving into a more stable housing situation? I actually had a very lucky break at my current pizza job. I actually told my, one of my coworkers about my situation, and he said that to have a room for rent. So now I'm actually in the room that I'm renting out, which is actually like a stable situation in July when the lease is up. However, in July, I do have another stable situation, which I am going to in a different state. And that's where I'm going to be finishing the rest of my university studies. Well, I am really glad to hear that your situation has become more stable, Tessa. Thank you so much, and it means the world. Also, like, to answer the second part of your question, the biggest support would be finding food resources. I'm currently looking in the food stamps, but it can take months to apply for, a month of waiting and weeks to months. And I do have to contend with the expenses of rent, phone bill, my storage unit, which I'm storing all my antique slot machines in, and food, especially now because of inflation, but in transportation, which is the bus, and in my city, the buses are considered like a luxury. And it's like one of the highest bus fares in the nation. Hmm. So now I must contend with high bus fares and inflation. And when you're in poverty, it, food, rent, and transportation eats up all your, most of your income. That is the harsh reality of being impoverished. Absolutely. And I know like the statistics, um, I know you were talking a little bit earlier, but statistics are us as autistics, I think we're more more than like 3,000 times more likely than the general population to face homelessness. So Correct. what do you think it's important for people to know kind of about that intersection of being autistic and homelessness? What I, what the most important thing about the intersection is that disabled individuals, they often find themselves on, from what I can tell, they find themselves in like either shelters or on the streets because as a disabled individual, you get discriminated against a lot. And yet it's very hard to find a job, which I found in my last city. That's why I had to move to the big city because I went to 20 different places. Nobody hired me because of my skin color and my, my speech and my artistic presentation. Everybody was expecting somebody to fit a traditional gender role and with like a really traditional social presentation. So that's like why it's really hard being autistic, being an autistic individual and getting a job. That's why I, within the disabled community, one of the big reasons, I believe. Now you've mentioned it a couple of times during our conversation, but um, you know, here on Autism Stories, we love to talk to people about the joy they experience. And on social media, you talk about one of your joys being a slot machine. So. What is it about slot machines that you love so much? I absolutely adore and absolutely love slot machines. What I love about slot machines is the fact is that the graphics, the colors, and the touchscreens. There's something so smooth and silky about touchscreens, about these touchscreens and the displays that I just love the texture of. I know nobody can see this, but I have a deconstructed WMS Blue Bolt two slot machine in my room right now you can see all the wires you can see all the cp you can see the cpus the speakers 
the power supply, and I got a plug-in. So it's like the most magical experience having a deconstructed slot machine in my room. Another thing I find magical about slot machines is the spinning wheels and the graphics. I just absolutely adore just to how bright and how whimsical the graphics are. It reminds me of my favorite Disney artists, Roy Lee Crump and Mary Blair. That's very cool. So do you want to get like additional slot machines? Do you just want to keep collecting them or is one enough? Heck yes. I have four <laughs> slot machines. I would love to keep collecting more slot machines. I have four slot machines in storage right now. And I hope to be getting myself another Blue Bowl 2 slot machine when things really start stabling out for me. My dream is to have at least 10 slot machines in my collection. Well, I look forward to that dream becoming a reality someday. And uh, Tessa, how can people uh, learn about you, follow you beyond uh, this interview? What you can do is you can go to my Apraxia story, A-P-R-A-X-I-A story on Facebook. I also have a second page called Brett's Apraxia story because my first page got compromised for a while. I, it somehow magically came back, like poof, it came back. And now I have a second page called Brett's Apraxia story, which is my second name. You can also follow me on YouTube it's a slot machine. That's where I post all my slot machine videos and my enthusiasm for slot machine collecting. Well, Tessa, it was wonderful to uh, meet you. Thanks so much for joining me, and I'll definitely continue to follow you on Apraxia Story. You are very welcome, and I absolutely love doing this interview with you. Such a wonderful time. Thanks so much to Tessa for the conversation. To learn more about Tessa, please check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. At Autism Personal Coach, we've seen far too many people in Tessa's situation facing homelessness. That's why it's so important for us to provide customized coaching for autistics to help improve the quality of our lives. All of our coaches are either autistic or autistic selected for their commitment to trauma-informed and neurodiversity-affirming strategies. They deeply understand burnout, sensory needs, executive functioning, and the importance of special interests. If you're interested in learning more about our coaching, please visit autismpersonalcoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.